Hello everyone. Welcome to the Generation Gab. Um, we are a podcast that is two generations talking about their two different experiences exploring the world. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm the grandma from, from <laughs> the silent graduate or silent generation. Yeah, so this and is my grandma Barbara, and uh, we talk over the phone once a week about a certain topic and what's interesting is we live in two different states so this makes it so that we can do this and um it's wonderful to have that technology i'm speaking from a very old person yeah it's great (laughs) (laughs) and i'm speaking from a young person and it's still great well kind of young so i'm from the millennial generation okay yeah um, today, what were we going to talk about? We were going to talk about um, uh, what's going on right now. Uh, uh, of course, you know, a lot of people are talking about that. But one question, Tessie, that I've thought about is, uh, as I look over my lifetime, is it, why is it taken so long to get where we are now? And racism has been around for a very, very, for centuries. Um, it even goes back to biblical times. But even in our country, um, if, we, if we go back to the, when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed by Abraham Lincoln, and that's been 157 years ago. Yeah. And why, why after 157 years, has it taken this long to to make the little progress that we have? Pardon me. And we have made progress, but why has it taken so long? Yeah, I think when you and I were discussing um, what to talk about this week, it was kind of hard, and I don't even know if I'll be able to like name this episode on the topic because usually we kind of have a clear topic that we go with, but we both agreed that this was the elephant in the room and that we couldn't just kind of talk about something else and ignore the current state of of a of a actual civil rights movement that we're living through. And you know, this this little chat that you and I have is you know, both from just our personal experiences and we're not experts we don't have history degrees and we're both you know privileged uh middle class white women and so i think i think we wanted to talk about this because it's you just can't ignore it and that's i think what our focus is today is like the why can't (laughs) <laughs> why is why is it taking so long for us to not ignore it and why is it how did we get to this spot of it being in our face in a way that like everybody is paying attention and I'm not saying that in a negative way I'm saying that in a very positive way of like right, finally right. finally not everyone's ignoring it finally it's in our face and so I think yeah we wanted to talk about that and maybe you know, you lived through the 1960s civil rights movement, which is referenced constantly uh, in our current time. And so maybe we can start off with that um, and talk about, 
you know, why, what's different from then in your perspective? And, and then we can launch into my perspective. And, okay. you know, what is, why, why now? Why is it different? Is it different? And, like, just kind of how we're both experiencing it. I think that would be okay. a, a good way to talk about it. Um, in, order to, in order to give us a, a picture of, of a little bit of what's happened in that 157 years, we can go to Martin Luther King. And I remember that so well in my day, of course. And I remember him. And he said a lot of wonderful things. But one thing that he said that really resonated with me, I thought, yes, that, that is the situation. He said that um, shallow understanding from people, you know, where we kind of give lip service or maybe not even uh, anything other than a smile or nod of our head uh, to racism uh, and the fact that we're not. He said shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. And, and he, he said it, he went on to say it, I think, better, more clearly. He said, lukewarm acceptance, which I saw a lot in my day, lukewarm acceptance, and, and even the very recent time in, in this day and age, lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. In other words, you can grab a hold. He's saying it's easier to deal with those people who uh, have the outright rejection and it's up on the surface where it can be dealt with. And I think that's that tends to be the case. Um, in historically, in my day, uh, we did a lot of just shallow, mis- shallow understanding. And it was very hard to to get a hold of um, racism enough to make significant change. Yeah, yeah. So what, I mean, just for everybody else's listening, what exactly was your experience throughout those years? Like, I, I mean, yeah, what did you... Okay. I, I want to ask, like, maybe a more specific question. So, like, where were you at? Where were you at in your career? Where were you at in your personal life? And, like, right. what did you view it from? And then what did, you know, what did your friends talk about? What did your friends say about it or your family? Or, you know, exactly. was it was it talked about at the dinner table? Or was it just, like, kind of a blip? Or, you know, what, what did you experience in those years? Okay, good question. Because <laughs> I know about my life. Um, when I was a child growing up, uh, it wasn't ever talked about uh, anywhere um, to speak of. And um, when when there were the riots in the '60s, uh, actually, uh, well, there were marches. A lot of uh, that's what King was uh, proposing: peaceful marches as opposed to riots. But we had plenty of our riots too, and he was trying to help the black people realize and and that's another thing it was the black people from my point of view and my friends and the era that this is what was happening in the southern states and there was this pastor named martin luther king who was trying this new approach and and wanted to take this approach And, 
and so we didn't talk about it, my family growing up. Then during the Martin Luther time, uh, Martin Luther King time, I had small children. I was married, and I had young children. And as most everybody knows, you focus on your family during that time, and, and there's enough there to deal with. And uh, there was not any discussion um, among my friends, uh, uh, really on the radio, that's where we got our news, as well as uh, I am dating myself, I realize, <laughs> as news, newspapers and radios, and then we'd go to the movies, and there would be the newsreels, they would say what's happening in, in the United States, and sometimes in the world. And did it uh, seem, but, like, yeah. scary to you, or did it seem like necessary like what kind of feelings or general vibe did you get from those story like those news stories yeah good question um the uh, uh i will say the newsreels in the movie theaters were about two weeks behind <laughs> so we didn't get up to date uh, kinds of things from from those uh we did from the newspapers more um and of course i uh, i didn't do a lot of reading in the newspaper in those days either when I was had three uh, young children. Um, I don't, I, uh, it's embarrassing to say, I just took the situation for granted. And it, it was not discussed any more than uh, Martin Luther King led a, a, um, a march over the bridge and, and you know, it would, it, that was it, and 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 then some of the things that he said, but it was, I didn't feel like it was really something that was my problem, certainly, my family's problem, our problem, and, and where I lived, and what was going on around me, this was so far away in the southern states, I was in the west at the time, and uh, I just, it just didn't didn't affect me and, yeah. and as I look back on that I'm just I really so do you I, think that you're the indifferent person that Martin Luther King is talking about say that again that do I you, am yeah that sorry I was do you think that the the quote that you oh, the lukewarm yeah were you back then you know yes. and I'm not trying to like put you on blast or anything it's not no. Yeah, but um, did you think you were the lukewarm, indifferent person that he's referring to? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uninformed, other than what is this all about and can we really make change? And it's not up to me to make change. It's not up. It's not my problem. I'm I'm embarrassed to say that, but uh, that's the way society felt at that time. And and, and, uh, I will make one other statement, and that is, this is the blacks' problem. Yeah. You know, they've got to get this solved for themselves. Well, and, and I, I, I've seen yeah. a great quote floating around that, like, says exactly that, that, like, this isn't the current situation that we have now and moving forward. It's not going to get better until white people stop viewing it as a black people problem. Yes. But instead a white people problem that we need to deal with. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yes. so That's the way, that was my experience. And so how does that feeling compare to what you're feeling currently? 
feel, uh, again, a strange word, but I'm just telling my raw, uh, my raw feelings. I'm feeling responsible. I'm feeling some responsibility. It's shared, but I'm feeling some responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I do not consider myself in this day and age a racist, and I don't consider myself ever being a racist. I could give you examples and etc. <laughs> but I took it for granted. But then I start introspecting myself and going inside and saying, where am I with all of this? Yeah. And I and then I come to the conclusion I have I can make I can help. I can make a change. Yeah. It is my problem. Yeah. It is my problem. That's been glorious for me. And what do you what do you like what would your automatic response to like I don't know if you've heard of Jane Elliott, but when she talks about that every white person is a racist. Like, what would you say to that if she looked at you and said, yes, you are racist? Yeah, I would have to think about that. Um, Because I I don't, yeah, I don't know if you've heard of Jane Elliott or heard her talk. I haven't heard her talk. I have heard of her. And it's just the simple fact that, like, we've been raised in a racist society. Yes. And, you know education is so important and the way that you've been educated the way that my mom has been educated and the way that I have been educated has been the way that the rich white usually men would like to uh, educate me they would like to make me believe that everything is fine Uh and they would like me to believe in the like narrative that they have written that like black people are scary or whatever and that they're not being oppressed um and so therefore if you come out of the education system not a racist you're basically a miracle and so like you know and that i think that explanation kind of takes the blame off you a little bit but also the fact that like it's not enough anymore to be just not racist. It's you have to be actively anti-racist, which is kind of what you're talking about, like taking responsibility, um, uh-huh. taking part of that shared responsibility and realizing, yeah, I'm a drop in the bucket, but also like I can do things. I can make changes. And instead of making excuses, I mean, you've got, I don't remember your exact age. <laughs> <laughs> but 85, you're 85. you're you're 85 so you have the excuse all the excuses in the world of like I'm you know I'm old like a lot of older people are like well you know my time has passed this is for the young people um you know I can't do anything cuz I'm old now you know like those kind of right. excuses and so I think it is pretty impressive that you are taking that you feel like you need to take responsibility um and I'm just wondering I mean I I feel the same way of like taking responsibility and I'm wondering why like why I've I've seen so many of my fellow white people and like almost everyone in our family included kind of step up and be like yeah I need to take responsibility Uh and why do you think that all the the white people we know around us are are now stepping into that and wanting to take responsibility compared to your 
experience in the 60s when nobody was doing that when they were when they were seeing it as somebody else's problem why do we all of a sudden agree that it's that we are wrong that we have done something wrong and we have participated in this system and that we need to fix it why do you think that that changes come about Wow, and, and that's such a powerful question, and it really has, I think, several facets, and I, I'm not sure, you know, with my limited personal experience, I, I, I know for sure, I guess, that <laughs> I can't answer it all, but I do have some ideas on it, and um, I think, first of all, too, it's wonderful, it's great, I'm very, very pleased about the fact that it is happening because it's something in my lifetime I have never seen before. It is so global and not just, and I'm saying global, not just this country, but across the globe. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. It's great. Why is it happening? Uh, I, I read an interesting um, uh, excerpt from the history and found out that uh, throughout time, uh, there has been concurrently with a pandemic um, or with some kind of epidemic, not always pandemic, there has been uh, oftentimes, not 100% of the time, riots, riots and, and marches and people rebelling and etc. Those two things have gone together and then I'm asking, well, that, that is really strange. You know, why is that? And I think it's a matter, probably, of, of people just, and uh, during this pandemic, in my personal experience, and I'm sure for others, uh, I have more time. Uh, the communication is, is so, so intense now, and so there, mm-hmm. and we can pick it up with TV and, and on the internet and all kinds of places, and it's just always there. So. We know more. It's hitting us in the face yeah. all the time. And I think that that's a, a factor. Right. And then I've got more time to think about it and to do things about it. Yeah. And so there's another thing, a couple of things. You know, um, from the beginning, uh, my, my field is, is human behavior, um, my professional field. And I thought to myself, I think that some of... The rebellion that's going on right now is displaced anger, and it's it's a good thing. It's okay in terms of ra- the racial um, uh, problems that we're, we've had for generations. But uh, I think that uh, I I'm angry because I'm 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 scared, and and I feel so vulnerable, and uh, I'm. Uh, so out of control and I don't know what's going to happen and what do I do with all that energy that comes from all that Uh, and then this this racism issue arises and I think oh yes (laughs) that's terrible you know and then I've got time and energy to go yeah go for it and I'm not saying just just marching because I'm too old to do that <laughs> at this point. But I'm, I, th- there are things I can do and I have been doing. And one is I can educate myself and educate other people. Right. And, and that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. I, there's so much to learn. 
and asking myself questions. So I think maybe it's crazy, but the energy from the pandemic has has helped us. Yeah. Uh, you know, help the cause. I don't know. What do yeah. you think? Do you um, think that's possible? Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably one of the main reasons uh, that it's that it's gotten as big as it's gotten. Um, I think that, like, for me personally, it's like I've I've cared before. I've been angry before. I've, you know, like, I've educated myself before. But it's kind of one of those things, like, I've never gone, like, stepped on the street before. I've never, like, joined an organization and found more concrete ways to, you know, be anti-racist before. And so it's kind of like, I think about, like, why why am I doing this now? Like, why? And it is, you know, I don't have the normal list of excuses that I have, which is, you know, I, I have to work and I have you know, no time and blah, blah, blah. And also kind of the underlying anger (laughs) that's come from the gov, like being mad at the government in general about how they have handled the COVID-19 situation and how we've lost over a hundred thousand Americans to it. And, you know, the economy is in a deep dive and that I think that frustration ties along with everything because all of those things are also much harder on the black community and are hitting the black community harder and so um I think I think yeah my list of excuses is gone and then like I don't know yeah my list of excuses is gone and the the pandemic has kind of showed me what what I value and what I should value in my life without the without the hustle, you know? Like so us talking every week and us starting this podcast for example. Like I I just every time we talk, I'm like I love my grandma so much. I don't understand why we weren't doing this before or why we, you know, weren't in contact more than this. And it's because of the pandemic and because, you know, things have fallen away and human connection has fallen away. And so you're trying to, like, people are trying to find that. And I think in trying to find it, it's like I I understood better what my values are and what the world that I want looks like. And so you know and you know it's like family and yeah human connection and community and really helping each other out and how valuable that is and then you know we see a video well I didn't actually watch the video because I don't you know it's just like but I you know we've all seen the George Floyd at least the beginning of the video or something right and just seeing that in your face and being like you know what what I value is is community and is people and that's what's been helping me through this pandemic is people and people do not deserve to be treated like this by anybody and i have a question for you yeah with what you're saying are you saying that um there have been advantages to 
our situation, to the pandemic, um, and to this whole thing coming to the the surface, um, the uh, outright rejection, <laughs> in Martin Luther King's uh, terms, that we all see of black people, um, and this may turn out to be something much, much more positive than we ever dreamed it could be? Or is that a fair statement? Um, that's a very optimistic view of how I feel. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, uh, I think, I mean, yes, I think you're right that I think there's like good things that are coming out of the pandemic. But the good thing is that we are seeing all the bad things. Right. <laughs> so exactly. it's not really, yeah. I don't, it's, you know, I've been, I've gone through waves um, throughout the last couple of weeks of like feeling hopeful and inspired and then kind of crashing down into like, this is just, you know, impossible and insurmountable. Um, and I like, I think it's amazing that like there's a lot of people who are still on the the high of you know inspiration and hope and I hope that like there are leaders that come out of this that I can like follow their lead and instead of like going into a pessimistic hole of like you know because when uh, for example like when people say defund the police and um, you know, they take all the money that is given, the outrageous amount of money that is given to police departments, and they say, you know, invest it in community services and, you know, healthcare, all those things. Well, <laughs> that's what we've been saying for, you right. know, that's, that was, yeah, healthcare for all is what we have been screaming, you know, before Obama, but especially Obama tried to push it through, and like, it's, it's never taken hold and so it's the idea of defunding the police is a very good one but the things that it hopes to fix i don't have very much hope in um well, maybe what we need to put this in the context uh, is a, a um a cautiously being optimistic yeah uh, yeah because uh, there are some good things that have happened and are going to happen and, and I hear what you're saying because back in the 60s I thought good for you uh, you know the, the folks that were marching etc mm -hmm. and, and and you know I hope this makes a change things like that and then it's hard to and I think that's probably part of our uh, insecurity that's happening right now is how much of this is going to stick Yes, and yeah. we are making the point is we are making some headway there are some things that are happening that give us hope Yeah, but it's it's scary because of our history right. we've gone forward a little bit but and then we go it, back. Hasn't, it hasn't solved the problem yeah. it's been band-aids you know more and I think that's it. So somehow we've got to hold those two positions in juxtaposition. Right. And just, you know, that uh, acknowledge the things that, that are... Well, and I think, I think that's the, the, 
I don't know, the weirdness about saying that this is coming from the pandemic because it's kind of like, you know, I'm I'm saying it's a good thing that like there, you know, there was this horrible pandemic that maybe maybe made us reassess our values. But then what happens when it goes away? Yeah. Um that, that's that's a good point. Yeah. And, you know, like just not even I'm not even putting that on everybody else of like what happens when we all I'm I'm saying even personally like I'm just like, am I going to keep this up? Am I going to keep this momentum? How am I going to keep this momentum? What are some like actionable things I can continue doing for the rest of my life? Like this is, this should be, you know, a revolution within everyone's like, you know, soul. Uh Um, and so I, yeah, I'm very, I'm very cautiously optimistic um that that everyone can keep keep it going um, right right and and I certainly hope that you know that we can i I want back up just slightly when we when you're talking about um what what is going on now is it just the pandemic and et cetera mm. um, I think that uh there are definitely other factors too you know oh yeah um, and yeah. and one of them is the police cameras. Uh, that change took place, um, what would you say, a couple of, a decade ago or whatever, where mm-hmm. they introduced cameras. Uh, but the police brutality that's been going on forever <laughs> that was submerged that we did not see. Yeah. Um, and now we see it. Yeah. And uh, I think that is such a huge problem in, in terms of racism and uh, what's happening there. Um, not all policemen, of course, uh, and uh, but it's systemic, and um, I think the cameras have have helped a lot because you even alluded to seeing George Floyd, you know, mm-hmm. and going through that, and we all did, and it was just gut wrenching. Right. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what are you going to do about that? You know. Yeah. Well, of course, you, you're not going to forget it, and yeah. hopefully, yeah, it had an impact. Well, I think there's a lot more that we could probably yes. both say, yes. um, but we are kind of coming to the end of our time, and, you know, we just kind of probably should reiterate that you and I are just kind of some basic white women, and we don't have, we don't have, you know, degrees in this area of expertise or anything, and, you know. So it's kind of just our our personal experiences from then and now, and I think it's been a good, good talk. Do you want to end I it? Do you want to maybe end too. it on some well, uh, positive? Yeah, I, I think I have a takeaway. <laughs> okay. It. Okay. Uh, first of all, I I really enjoyed it, and I think we've made some good points, and and I love hearing where you're coming from. I do think overall, and I kind of alluded to this before that. As, as a people, we do need to acknowledge the progress, even though there's small steps. Mm. And one example is the national holiday, um, Juneteenth. Um, and they are, looks like it's going to become a, a national holiday. Um, but just to, that alone, it's small, and there's so, so much more. But acknowledging that we are making some steps, 
keeps us keeps us trucking, keeps us in there. Right. And and we can build on those. Right. Um, and and get some energy for those to um, take on the things that are not changing. Uh, we need both. We need progress, but we uh, we also need to be cautiously optimistic around the things that are happening. Yeah. So that's my takeaway. That's good. I like that. Um, I think my takeaway, just from hearing you talk, is that maybe as a country or even, I don't know, I dare say, like, the world, I think we're feeling more responsibility to each other and more, like, seeing each other as a whole, rather, so, you know, you talked about, you know, that's the South that's so far away, (laughs) and you know, thinking that during the civil rights movement of, like, that is a black person problem. And so I think the takeaway is that hopefully in this current time, like, we are not um, seeing it as something that's so far away. And we are more connected and more of a community now. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. I want to. I want to say that with really cautious, you know, really cautious optimism. But that's my takeaway: is that we we have somehow created an atmosphere and a culture where we're a little more responsible to each other. And I think I that's, think that we have. I I think that's, you make an excellent point. Yeah. And there will always be individual differences. Yes. And probably, you know, even the differences. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I think there's more of a team approach now than there ever, ever was before. Yeah. And they talked about that in terms of the pandemic. Let's all get together and wear masks. Let's make this happen. Yeah, but yeah. But it spills over into racism. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. So good point. Is that what you're grateful for? I think what? that that was like my yeah. takeaway, and then it kind of turned into what I'm grateful for. So I'm just yeah. going to have it be both. And so why don't you okay. tell me what you're grateful for? Well, this is crazy. I'm grateful for laughter. I'm grateful for. I mean, it is, in terms of our mental health, we ha- we can't let that go. Yeah. We just can't. And and in terms of mental health, laughter is just is just absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. It's it's our vitamins for mental health. <laughs> and, I mean, for health. And yeah, we need that. And. So I do watch sitcoms just so I can laugh, and I laugh anytime I can. Oh, okay. just kind of keep me grounded. That's I love good. laughter. That's true. I I, yeah. I appreciate that one. Okay. Well, we will talk next week. I'll be posting this, um, you know, soon, and then we can chat next week. And I hope you guys will, you know, the three or four people that are listening. I hope that you listen to us uh, next week. We'll see you then. Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll see you again and goodbye everybody.